This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Welcome to the show, a brother. He's the founder of the Cave of Adullam, and he's also got a new book out called Battle Cry that will come out in September. Let me welcome back to the show. He is an amazing human being, and I think I think he's the originator of the gray, sexy beard, Mr. Jason Wilson. <laughs> welcome. How you How you doing, Karen? Glad to I, be back. I forgot that before Ron Isley, there was Jason Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. Yes. Uh, Without getting you into something that you ain't been paying attention to, and that really makes me love you even more, that you don't know what I'm talking about. I, was, I, I said, for sure, I'm going to talk to Jason about this because I know he's going to tell me why these brothers are all. But there is something fundamental that we can have because I, I invited you on way before I knew that Kwame Brown was going to do what he did um, because I feel like we're at an inflection point in our country where we're coming to a, a point, like people are waking up and there's a point of reckoning but there's no real places to go for our healing. So we're, we're a lot of folk are talking about mental health. And a lot of people are seeing therapists and I love that. A lot of men are, are recognizing that the way in which they show up, uh, it, you know, might need to make an adjustment. I had a great conversation yesterday with Curtis cook who said, you know, in the acting realm, he's, he's on the shy. He said, you know, brothers show up to these auditions and they're all cool. And you know, they, but it's like they're not showing up as their authentic self. He said, I'm a weird, nerdy guy who likes, you know, I do like strange things and I show up. So when I perform, you see, oh, that's not really him being, you know, he, he's actually actually acting. If more black men, he thinks, shows up, if they show up as their full selves, you know, we would get to see the full range mm -hmm. of, of their mm -hmm. emotions. I, I'm not mm -hmm. going to drag you into that conversation either, but. The work that you talked about doing on these airwaves when you were here a couple of years ago to get to the place that you are now, that you're going to be chronicling in your book, what was the turning, the actual turning point for you? Hmm. When I, um, for years, you know, I was the gold standard of the, of the black community was the hyper-masculine black male. Mm. And that was my goal. And that's what I became. And because of that, you know, um, I held on to rage, resentment towards my father wouldn't release the trauma of the murders of my two brothers. And so um, here it is, I get married and I had no idea how to access or assess a situation and access the gamut of other emotions that God has given me. So there was no way I could love my wife like I even desired as a man, because when I grew up in Detroit, you know, you you know you you were at risk if you held a woman's hand in public when you were like 18 to 16 or through 18 you would get rushed they would test you to see if you was tough enough to walk through a hood a certain neighborhood with this girl or don't don't even think about going to a a def jam or a rap concert at joe lewis arena with a girl you would get what we say you know bum rushed or whatever so this mentality carried over into marriage and what mm -hmm. shifted for me, Karen, was when my mother had uh, developed dementia. And I, I, you know, here I is, I'm just a masculine male. So all I knew how to do was provide, protect, uh, be strong, deal with the pharmaceutical companies who were taking her money, you know, just, just being just masculine, which is good. We need those attributes as men. The problem came in when I needed to be tender, when I needed to be long suffering when I needed to comb her hair, when I needed to do her nails, when I needed to bathe her. Mm. I had not 
allow myself to be a human. I stayed stuck in uh, just being a masculine male and fell under the masculine mandate, which is the culture's order for men to only operate under masculine attributes. When I started breaking free uh, from what I call misconstrued masculinity or basically a misunderstanding of what it means to be a man because we've allowed one adjective to define us, you will never hear a black woman say, I'm a feminine woman because black women have to be anything and everything they have to be at any given moment. Mm. So you'll, you'll be anything, you'll be a fighter. There's a masculine attribute. You'll be a lover, you'll be a nurturer. But as men, for some reason, we feel this pressure to only be masculine, dogmatic. And so because of that, when I started loving my mother from my heart, when I, I started living from what I was feeling instead of what I feared, I broke free from emotional incarceration. Mm-hmm. And um, so here it is now, I'm a comprehensive man where I could cry publicly, I could hold my wife's hands publicly, I could, I could do anything, I'm free. And so a lot of our brothers, because of the culture, I mean, I grew up in hip hop. I was a popular DJ, a battle DJ, matter of fact. I toured with Public Enemy and X-Clan. And so our music, you know, it, 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 it personified as a man. You didn't see a rapper smile in late 80s hip hop and 90s hip hop on the album cover. One of my favorite artists mm. at the time was Rakim. His song was I Ain't No Joke. I can go down the line. Uh, E-40 had a song, I Practice Looking Hard. Yeah. Basically, he in the mirror practicing looking hard because I had to do the same thing. Or you would get in Detroit, we would call it checked in, where they'd take your clothes from you. So all we could be, Karen, was just masculine. All we could operate is under just masculine attributes. And as a result of it, similar to the Pitbull Terrier, which I discuss in my book, Here's a breed that was bred to fight and protect only. What Mm. happened to this breed over time, he became or she became unstable, volatile. And now this dog will what? Start attacking people randomly, okay? If it not for like several dog initiatives trying to rescue this breed, we would have never known that the pit bull terrier is also a loving companion oh and family dog. Mm. Yeah. And so I just, I, there's one, my neighbor me. has one and her name is yes. Maya and she came mm. up to me today and, you know, sniffed me in and then licked my hand <laughs> and I, but you know, mm. pit bull, I'm, I wasn't at all afraid. You're absolutely mm. right. The sweetest dog you ever want to meet. Yes. <sighs> mm. And so I'm when sorry. you think of toxic, so when you think of toxic masculinity is really no such thing because masculinity is just an adjective. Okay, so a man becomes toxic when he allows himself to only live under masculine attributes. And that's what's, that's what's happening. Oh, wait, stop. I'm sorry. Hi. Um, hi, hi. <laughs> <laughs> I've just I've been typing to Karen. Did you hear that quote? And I've been typing. I'm like, oh, I need this. You you said so much. And then I, I Karen, I don't let me know if I need to step back. You know, I'm willing to follow your lead. But I, I got I have some questions. I just need to follow up with you on if I could, brother. Um, sure. You mentioned that you were getting messaging or, or, or the culture was confirming for you that this was the way to be. This is how, how men show up. Can you talk a little bit about what that mess, what form those messages came in? How it's one thing to say we live in a talk in a masculine society, but what was it at your young age, other than the fact that holding the girl's hand was going to get you rushed on the block? What mm-hmm. was it? What were the, where were the messages coming from? Who, how were these messages being communicated to you? What elements in the culture were the most powerful communicators of this type of messaging? 
Well, first and foremost, you know, being in uh, youth work for almost 20 years now, the most influential person in the home or community is the parent. Mm. And so I, from my father, I learned quickly that I couldn't cry. I had to be tough through every emotion. And as a result, uh, Dr. William Frey discovered, you know, um, that tears not only contain tears uh, as a result of emotional pain or trauma, not only contain 98% water, but also stress hormones. So to tell a boy or a male not to cry, you're telling him to suppress what he's feeling and suppression leads to depression. Mm -hmm. And so that was the beginning. So after I said, okay, cool. From that point on, I saw my father's promiscuous ways, okay? Um, just, uh, he picked me up. You know, first of all, he couldn't stay married to my mother because he was unfaithful. And then after that, every Monday was a court ordered day for us to be together, I would see a different woman in the car with them. Mm. So that programmed me to say, okay, women are to be object objectified, not loved. And so that was another message. And then when you think, wow. you know, I, I came up during hip hop, what they considered a golden era. I was, I mean, it was certain songs I could play that would make people fight instantly because I understood the power of music and the sonic waves of certain songs. They use it actually in the military for torturing people. Mm. And so it's so many uh, um, influences. I mean, but then, you know, when you go back even further to slavery, so you got to think, and I talk about this in my book, because, you know, what, like my great, my grandfather was lynched, okay, and beaten and lynched by the police mm. in Fort Pierce, Florida. Um, and so, so think, let's go before him, okay, and you see one of your children auctioned off like a puppy. Mm. But you got five other children and a wife you have to take care of. Your heart is crushed. You're grieving. You're angry. You feel all these emotions and you can't do anything. You can't even express it. What happens now is that, you know, you have to be, the, the man had to stay a protector and a provider. Mm. So the way when, they got, when we got free of that, my father's way of showing me love was through working hard. Yeah, You know, he could cuss me out and he would apologize, but the wounds, he already had cut me open and he would apologize, but he would apologize by giving me money. And that mm -hmm. never healed me. And so it's, it's so many, I mean, cause and effects that, you know, we have to, you know, again, I, I tell people all the time, my desire is for us as African-Americans, black people to have a hundred years of where we can be stable. Because right now, like Karen, you mentioned earlier, everyone has their fists up, we're like this. You know, when we're finally able to get out of this pandemic, you know, we haven't grieved. I lost four, four friends to COVID. Mm. We haven't grieved. Mm. You know, George Floyd, I can go on and on about all the trauma we've experienced, especially as black men seeing a white officer basically killing one of your brothers on TV. I mean, the phone broadcasted throughout the world. What does, it, what does it do to you psychologically? It's telling you you're worth nothing. And so we have to fight that thought. That's why my subtitle is Waging and Winning the War Within. You know, a lot of us, we don't win the internal battles before they turn into external wars. And that's what's happening. And that's what I do mm. with the young men in our academy. I teach you how like Dr. Strange did in, uh, I think it was the end game, when he had to go through 14 million uh, scenarios, just pick the best one, the only chance they had to win. 
That's when I teach all the boys, how can you in a split second analyze all of your options and respond in a way that's only advantageous to you, where you don't make a detrimental life decision based on how you're feeling, but you respond instead of react. And that takes practice. But as long as we keep telling boys not to cry, not to feel, you know, only to be a certain way, he can never have the freedom to, I call it feeling fear. I've lost so many of my friends who weren't allowed to feel fear because we would be called hoes. You know what I'm saying? So they would go to a block party. They know a rival gang there. They know the chances of them getting killed is 98% uh, 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 chance of them getting killed and they go end up getting killed. Because as men, especially black men, we're not allowed to feel fear. We're, we're told that you know, if you be fearless, that is impossible. Ask any father who loves his children, is it, is it possible to be fearless? Because as soon as you see your kid walk out in front of you, it's like your heart leaving your chest. Like, where are you going? Especially you have a daughter and you love your children? It is impossible. However, Nelson Mandela said it best. He says, the brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. Mm. And that's what we have to understand and free our men from that. And that's, that's what's going on in the culture. And again, I don't know, you had mentioned to me about a basketball player and I heard the, you know, the, the little sound bite. You know, again, if it's beef, hey, it's only one way to handle that. You understand? Because we've been trained. To, Yo, you say something about me, I say something about you. There is no peace, bro. And that's how, I, that's just, listen to our music. There is no reconcile mm. immediately. Mm. So it's, it's, I'm not shocked. I don't, whoever's beefing, that's just how you do it. That's, we're taught that through media, movies, this is just how I get down, get the gun and let's go. What you got something to say, say it. Meet me somewhere. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so that's, so until we learn how to love each other, and that's a whole nother story. When I do conflict resolutions sessions, Karen, with men and they're beefing, I say, the first thing you need to say, stop saying he pissed you off. Say he hurt you hmm. because that was your brother he hurt you, man. What you said hurt me. Go ahead, Karen. I see you got no, your fingers. No, I mean, you have to go. You can't stay past this time, but you got to come back. You got to come on the re-show. We got to yes. talk about what is love. His name is Jason Wilson. Mr. Jason Wilson. Jason O. Wilson on the Twitters. The book is called Battle Cry. We're going to definitely have you on before the book comes out in September. But you're amazing. I love you. We'll see you later. Bye-bye. 